Am I good? I'm good? Awesome. Good morning. If this is your first time, okay, first of all, I'm going to let you know, <clears throat> the teenager in me is talking right now because I lost my voice. So this is your first time at Calvary Chapel. I say welcome. And um, one thing we, I love about Calvary Chapel family is that you get a double dose, a double portion. <clears throat> my parents would always say, <clears throat> you get a double portion when you go to church. Well, I look at it differently with Calvary Chapel. And that is, um, we know where we're going to be the following week. This week, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 9. So if you were chewing on God's word all week this week, you should have been chewing on Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And all I'm going to give you is a double portion. Amen? Amen. Amen. So today, we're going to dive into Ecclesiastes chapter 9, giving you the opportunity to get it twice in one week. And you know next week we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 10. What you should be doing is, like I tell the congregation in New London, you need to be chewing on that all week. So by the time you come to church, you get a double portion. Amen? It's like my mom would say that all the time. But before we dive into Ecclesiastes chapter 9, there's something that I do every week. Um, and that is, we look at Galatians chapter 5, Verse 22 and 23. I'm coming from the New King James Version of the Bible. Not that it's the correct version of the Bible. Just want you to know that. There isn't. It isn't. But it says this here. But the fruit of the Spirit isn't. No. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things there is no law. You see, I had a pear tree in my backyard. And you know what I did? I cut it down. It didn't bear good fruit. People want to go to revivals, and revival meetings everywhere all over the world. And I tell them this every time. If you're not bearing fruit, draw a circle right around yourself. Allow God to do a work in your life rather than looking at going somewhere else. You have to say to yourself, ask yourself the question, am I kind? Am I, I'm a Christian, and I've allowed God to be in my life. Am I a kind individual? Am I faithful? Do people look at me as a Christian? Am I a faithful individual? Am I good? Do I display care, good, good quality? Am I gentle? And you know, am I a hothead, or do I am always... Do I have self-control or am I a hothead? So my prayer is that, you know what, that you would leave here today. And if you chew on this for the second time or the first time, my prayer and what God wants, God wants each of us to bear fruit. And that's important. Who wants an apple that has a worm in it? No one. No one wants it. Yeah, see that? The kids know exactly. Ooh, it's bad, right? So I pray that you will listen intently this morning because God allowed you to be here this morning. My grandparents lived a very long time when they came to America. But my grandmother lived a very, really, 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 really long time according to earthly standards. 
so long, she outlived two husbands. She lived to be 106 years old. Yeah, I know. It's like Methuselah, right? <laughs> if I was little, I would think that, but I wasn't. Here's a woman who was active in her local church in a small town in Alabama up until she was 102 years old. Now imagine this here. There's nobody over 100 years old here. Now imagine this here, watching a 102-year-old woman engaging with what they called in their church back in the days YPWW. It's called Young People's Willing Workers. Getting inspiration from this woman. But that's what God calls us to. He called the older women to inspire and challenge the younger women. He called the older men to be an inspiration to the younger men. We kind of lost that in North America amongst our churches a little bit. And we need to go back to that a little bit. But many of us would say that my grandmother, she lived a very long time. But the preacher Solomon, you know what he does? He keeps reminding us that life is short many a times. Life is very short. My grandmother, she would always say, if I lived to be 100 years old, it still could not compare to eternity. 102 years old, 106. I remember the bride of my youth who's here today with me. We went to go visit my grandmother. She's 106 years old before she passed away. You know what she wanted me to do? She wanted me to brush her teeth. She didn't want me and my wife to leave the room. She took her joy with her grandson, and she remembers and knows every one of her grandkids, great-grands, and great-great-grands by name. Phenomenal. But here's something I've come to understand, and that is, with such a short life, we are encouraged by the preacher to live our lives with purpose. And my prayer is that, like my grandmother, that every one of you would leave here today and understand what your purpose is in this life. If you feel you have no purpose, you know what? You came to the right place, to the chapel. See, they talk about that song, going to the chapel. No. You came to the right place so that you can hear what God wants to do in and through your life. Like my grandmother, this life will end, for we will all fall to death's fate unless we are raptured. I don't care how young or how old you are, you will fall to death's fate. Guess what? It's a guarantee. So don't look at death as the final phase, but the beginning of something fresh for all of us. You know, we were born to die. The moment we come into life, we begin to digress. We're born, we go up, and we go down. You see, they didn't tell me that when you turn 50 years old. Now I'm 55 coming up. They goes, man, I'd be in my office, and I'd be like, oh, they'd be like, hey, old man. I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> when I was in my 20s and 30s, 
I'd be like, that's the old dude. I'm the old dude now. So every week, what we do in New London, we stand as we read God's word. Follow along. I'm going to read aloud. Why don't we all stand together as I read God's word? And I believe that don't just listen with your ears. Allow God to do something and speak to your heart. Amen? Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1. If you need a Bible, I believe someone will get you a Bible. Let me raise your hand. For I considered all this in my heart, so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise in their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. All things come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice, as is the good so is the sinner. He who takes an oath as he who fears an oath. This is an evil in all that is done under the sun. That one thing happens to all. Truly the hearts of the sons of men are full of evil. Madness is in their hearts while they live and after they go to the dead. Verse four. But for him who is joined to all the living, there is hope for a living dog is better than a dead lion. Verse five for the living. know they will die, but the dead know nothing and they have no more reward for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love, their hatred and their envy have now perished. Nevermore will they have a share in anything done under the sun. Verse seven. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart. For God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white, and let your heart, let your head lack no oil. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun. All your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor in which you perform under the sun. Verse 10, whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might. For there's no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor to the wise nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance have to them all. Verse 12, for man also does not know his time like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Verse 13, this wisdom I have also seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. There was a little city with few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, and built great snares around it. Now there was found in it a poor wise man, and he by his wisdom delivered the city 
Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Verse 16, then I said, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. Words of the wise spoken quietly should be heard rather than the shout of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word because your word is life-changing. You are here to do a work in every man, woman, and child, no matter regardless of their age, their status in society. Father, I pray that people's hearts and their minds, they will blot out the distractions of the day, what may have transpired on the way here. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Because I know what it's like when my kids was little. You're getting them ready for church. Everybody late. Everybody running late. You know what I'm saying? I know what it's like. Now I got whole grown adults. I got empty nets. Kids came home one day. They said, y'all ain't got no food in here. Y'all don't live here. We go out to eat now. If you got little kids, you got a long way to go. <laughs> when we read these verses in Scripture, I see the preacher, and I love the term the preacher. You see, when I was a kid, I used to watch the preacher preach. I didn't know, like Solomon said, the preacher. And I'm going to say that a lot, as you're going to find out. So Solomon, he says, the preacher is telling us, regardless of our standing, we will face some of the same things as those who do not believe. Those who are not Christians are going to face the same exact thing. The guarantee for the saint and the sinner is death. Death. It's guaranteed. I don't want you to think that this message is about death. Death is a good thing. We should not be afraid of it. In the economy of God, he set it out this way. No matter how or what we've done in this life, we all will settle the exact same fate. We're all going to die. It's guaranteed. Trust me. They can try to come up with any kind of scientific explanation and change something. Guess what? They're going to die too. Life has a lot of uncertainty. And Solomon, the preacher, he alludes to that throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. But my grandmother, she understood that, the uncertainties in life. But what she did was she lived her life to the fullest until God, she rest her soul. Guess what? She died in her sleep at 106. One thing is that we should not let any uncertainty stop us from fulfilling the call that God has on our lives, and we should enjoy life. We should engage with others throughout this life because the uncertainties that will come our way, they're going to happen. I've dealt with people who have left this world, who've died. We all deal with uncertainties and hurt and pain. But that not, should not. As Solomon the preacher tells us, you still can't enjoy life, people. 
may be a little vain, but enjoy life. The preacher, Solomon, he makes it plain that there will continually, as we grow older in life, deal with these uncertainties. Solomon understands the importance of embracing each moment with gratitude and purpose despite, guess what, the unknowns. No one knows what the unknowns are. We need to embrace each moment with gratitude, be thankful. And too many times we are more concerned about the unknowns which can get us stuck and get us off track from the purposes in life that God has set out for us. You ever been in that position where the uncertainties that are in your life can get you off track? And that's what God wants to do. That's why we call it the brotherhood and the sisterhood. Just want you all to know it ain't got nothing to do with the color. All right? Christ enables us to be brothers and sisters of the same faith. He said, like-minded. We need to always be around like-minded individuals. That is imperative if we are to deal with some of the hardships and the uncertainties in life. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it tells us this. For I considered all this in my heart so that I could declare it all, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. People know neither love nor hatred by anything they see before them. All things come alike to all. One event happens to the righteous and the wicked, to the good, the clean, and the unclean, to him who sacrifices and him who does not sacrifice. As is the good, so is the sinner. He who takes an oath as he who fears an oath. The preacher. Solomon, the preacher, continues, and you're going to hear me say this over and over and over again, uncertainty. And the reason why I do that, those who are in education, they know that a teacher always likes to remind you. Why? Because our brain forgets. We forget. We need to and should embrace every moment like it's our last. And we need to embrace every moment with purpose. Why do I say this? I say this for a reason. And that is because death shows no inequality. It's fair, isn't it? We say it's not fair, but death shows no inequality. But you know what? We show partiality to other people. We do, but death doesn't. We show partiality. We may display inequality amongst other people in society. Regardless of one's status in life, you know what? Death will eventually happen and arrive to every single one of us unless the rapture happens. Guess what? It's pretty guaranteed. You know what death is like? Death is like taxes. It's guaranteed. You see, unlike taxes... Taxes aren't always fair to everybody. But death, it comes to everybody. Death is equal to all. And that means everyone that is born in this life will face it. We are born to die. The moment you come into this world, 
when my child, my children were born, I was like, this is beautiful. Then I didn't realize that they're going to say, no. I forgot about that part. They didn't tell me about that part. But it's beautiful. They rise up, and then you know what? Then they regress. They get old. You know what I mean? It's eventually they're going to die, and I'm going to die. They may take care of me, you know, as I get old. Here's something. We need to and should embrace every moment. You see, Solomon continues. He continues to remind us that regardless of our accomplishments, one's status in life, it's inevitable. It's going to come. We could run from it. We can try to delay it. It's going to come. Solomon continues trying to get us to understand that we should be thinking about eternity and what we can do to bring joy to the Lord while we still have breath in our body. You see, the world tells us, go ahead and enjoy pleasure. We've become, we love pleasure more than we become lovers of God. You see, God always does the contrary to what the world will tell us to do. In Philippians 2.13, this is what he says. He says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for yours, for mine. It's for his good pleasure. It's for his good pleasure. You see, the world has taught us to put in our mind, just enjoy life, eat, drink, and be merry. But God says, no. We can make all the plans we want on our own. And guess what? We do at times. Like I'm planning. I'm planning to retire in three years and nine months. Not that I'm counting. I got my calendar ready. But here, when we look at the book of Philippians, we need to understand it is the God in us that enables us to do what we do. If it weren't for God, we couldn't do it. We do too many things on our own. We try out of our own effort. You know, we like to get pats on the back from people. But we have to understand, we need, whether someone pats you on the back or not, you still should do it. We should always check to see that the plans are God's plans working within us. Because too many times, we like to work the plan of our own. We say, God, why don't you get into my plans? No, we need to get into God's plan. And then when problems happen and we ask ourselves, why is this happening? That's because you never was in God's plans. There's a few things at work when we look in the scriptures. God's utmost divine power and leadership. God wants to lead us to the place where he wants us to be. The second thing is, the follower of Christ has a responsibility in seeing the Lord's desires accomplished. See, when God speaks to your heart, when you're in his word, he shows you, he tells you what you need to do. You have a responsibility as a follower of Christ to respond to that. The third thing is, we do what we do for his good pleasure. We don't do it for a show. Because if we're doing it for show, we might as well just go do something else. Because guess what? I tell people this all the time. I learned this when I was a much younger man. You know what someone told me that old deacon in that church said? You got your reward. 
You got your reward. You should do it regardless. It doesn't matter if someone never say thank you to you. Because I don't think the disciples never got a thank you many a times. They just did it. We've got to become so relaxed and so comfortable in North America that, you know what, we expect people to pat us on the back. That should not be the norm. You see, God's word is the contrary to what we're taught in society. Society says, good job. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not wrong with a good pat on the back, right? But what we should be doing, what we do for the Lord, because of him working in us, we should be looking for him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Do you want your friend? You want Pastor Joe? You want Pastor Martin? You want Glenn or some Pastor Glenn? Anyone say, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. That don't mean nothing. Because you know why? It is not ours or their heaven. It is God's heaven. He is the one that's going to reward you. Society tells us to get what you can at anyone's expense. Step on people. Get to where you want to go. Do what you want to do. Start contrast to God. Sometimes we need to be reminded that it's God who enables us to do what we do for him and for his good pleasure. Knowing our purpose in this life, it's important on the journey of faith. You know, Jonah, when he ran from doing what God wanted him to do, he ran from what the purpose is of what he was called to do, and that was to go to Nineveh. Here's a question I want to ask you. How many of you are running for what God wants you to do? Stop running. Do what God called you to do. You were created for his good pleasure. Knowing our purpose in life in this journey of faith is important. God doesn't save us to nothing, but God saves us to something. God doesn't give us the opportunity. He redeems us to do nothing for him. We should be making a difference in the communities where we live, work, play, and go to school, irregardless how young you are. If you're in a senior center, it does not matter. The reason why I bring that up, because we have a good balance of mix of young and old here today. If you would talk to my grandmother, if you're 75 years old, she would probably rebuke you. I can't do nothing for the Lord. My grandfather would say the same thing. Why? It's not how young or old. It's about the determining mind that until God calls me home, I'm going to do what God called me to do. Years ago, someone said this. God is working according to a blueprint, according to specifications. He will carry out his plan. Either he will work in us or he will work on us. Either way, he will accomplish his purpose. God has taken interest that every Christian be just like Christ. No matter what it costs that person, we are called to be like Christ. That's what God is calling us to be. He's calling us to be like Christ. The preacher... I love that, the preacher. And when we get off Ecclesiastes, I still might be saying the preacher because I like that. The preacher, Solomon, he was a wise man. 
He was so wise to tell us these things so that we just don't live life for ourselves. We got to stop living life for ourselves. It's empty. Life is bigger than doing things for ourselves. We have all seen the signs on the highway. Men at work. I know when I go on I-95, they still working on it. My tax dollars at work. I'm like, I get a refund? I'm like, y'all been working on this a long time. When I used to live in Florida, my wife and I, I'm like, they're still working on it. I go back to Florida, and they're still working on 95. I come up here, and they're still working on 95. But on the highway, they used to have this sign called Men at Work. We need to put a sign on top of us and be reminded and saying that it is God at work. It is God at work. Now, it shouldn't take as long as I-95. It should be a little more shorter than that, okay? When I was a child, see, God's at work in our lives. But when I was a child, my parents did something that was very interesting to me. They bought me a dictionary. The dictionary, it was cool. I grew up in an era, I'm a 60s kid. And everybody remembers what a pulpit Bible is? That's a big Bible. The one where you get your grandparents, great-grands, all the married people, all the kids. Like, like you got your whole generation tree in the front of the Bible. Big, thick. But my parents, you know what they did? They purchased for me an unabridged dictionary. That's like the dictionary of dictionaries. And you know what they gave me this dictionary? You know, I used to read the dictionary like it was a book. Crazy, huh? It's wild. It blows my mind into this day. You see, when I was a child, I used to always be in spelling bees. I was a champion spelling bee guy, kid. I was that kid. And there's this one contest I lost when I was in sixth grade. Everybody said, why is this guy still holding that grudge? Because when I moved to Florida, when I moved, when I moved back, when God brought me and my wife to back to Connecticut back in the 90s, I went to the bank, and I seen the teller, and it was the kid who I lost my spelling bee to. I said, I want a rematch, man. <laughs> Listen. He might want to do that. Listen, I know how to spell Mississippi now. A couple crooked letter, crooked letter I, crooked letter, crooked letter, and a hunchback, hunchback. But every day, so I signed up, so I don't read the dictionary, but I signed up to get a new word for me every day. I get a new word emailed to me every day. You know, some people, they get scriptures. Okay, I get new words. I just study the Bible. So the one word that came to me the other day I thought it was kind of like appropriate for today. And the word was panglos. Panglos is the person who is optimistic regardless of the circumstances. Panglos is spelled P-A-N-G-L-O-S-S. Panglos. I'm going to test you all after church. Last week, those of you, I see some familiar faces that came to the date night last Saturday. Hope you guys had a great time. Don't forget to fill out the survey. A little plug there. But ladies, just imagine 
you or your husband asked you to go on a date night, but it was not in New London. Let's say we're going to use the word panglos, this new vocabulary word that you're all going to learn today. All right? You guys ready? So your husband said, we're not going to the date night where the food was good, had some good entertainment, got some laughs on, got some hope for you when you left. He said, baby, we're going camping. A couple of y'all just said, mm-mm. All right, so here we go. I'm going to use this new word, panglos, in a sentence. My, my, and, and listen, when I got to high school, I hated English class. And being the youngest of my siblings, how did I get the same English teacher that they all had? I said, something was a setup with my parents, man. So here it is. I'm going to use the word panglos. As the storm soaked through our tent, my panglos of a husband suggested it was a chance to test our waterproof sleeping bags. <laughs> if that's you, you can walk out quietly right now. <laughs> this brings us to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 9 and 10. Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life, which he has given you under the sun, all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life, and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Verse 10, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. Solomon, the preacher, is giving good counsel. Life as he knows it, it can be very meaningless. Brothers, men, I want to talk to you this morning. Solomon is the best counselor that we can ever get right now from those scriptures. I pray that you don't just listen with your head, but you will listen with your heart. Allow God to do something in your life. If you're a young man, listen intently. Men, enjoy your bride, and ladies, enjoy your husband. I always tell everywhere I go, social media, no matter what it is, she's the bride of my youth. The lady with that faker, oh, I'm sorry, Lakers shirt on. I'm sorry. See, I'm not a Laker fan. We got a little rivalry in our house. I love her, though. I love her. When we had the date night last week, I told the people, I was married 28 years. They goes, man, y'all don't look like you've been married 28 years. Y'all got, we got adults. That's like, they looked at my wife, they thought she was 28. I said, no, that's a problem. Do I look like I'm 28? They said, no. I said, I'm about to pray for you. But last week at the date night, my wife and I, we stressed something that's real important. And the one thing that we stressed to the men and the women, and that marriage is work. I'm going to say it again. Marriage is work. If you're thinking about getting married, let me tell you something. It's work. It's a lot of work and more work. 
The same framework applies to your marriage relationships when we look at it. Like, you know what? When you make deposits into your spouse's love bank or you make deposits, you go to work, you make deposits in the bank. If you're a business owner, you make deposits financially from your business receipts, financially. But you need to continually make deposits in your spouse's love bank. If you're consistently making withdrawals, what's going to eventually happen, you're going to be bankrupt. And we know what happens with bankruptcy, whether it's chapter 7 or chapter 11. Don't look good. Don't look good. But Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, it drives us men to the place. Because not only Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and 9 and 10, it tells us men enjoy your wife. Enjoy your wife. Have fun. You're going to die one day. Enjoy her. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 tells us this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. You see, life is short. And you know what he's right here saying? Enjoy the bride of your youth. Now he's saying, wait, I'm not, I'm not a youth. I'm 75 years old. You are. Okay? Enjoy your bride. Have fun. When was the last time you went out you did something fun? And so you say, well, I'm not married. I'm single. Okay, we'll get you on the next sermon. <laughs> One thing that's true, and that is your family needs to be committed to Christ, and that you need to make sure it stays established with Christian principles, men. What we've done, we've lost manhood within the body of Christ in some places in North America and throughout the world. We need to be men. We need to lead our families. We need to love our wives. We need to love our children. We need to show them biblical truth and lead those young people. Because how will they know if we don't do that? You know what's meaningless and has no value in the relationship? Unfair treatment. Unfair treatment should not be in the relationship. Solomon is saying, go out and have fun. You're going to die anyway. Enjoy, enjoy your marriage. The preacher, see? See, people don't realize that. The preacher said, you're going to die anyway. Go out and enjoy yourselves together. But there should not be unfair treatment in the relationship. We need to be clear and understand that submission doesn't mean some type of slavish obedient to one husband. I don't know where people get that from, because that's not in my Bible that I read. I believe that it's important to have a home that lives according to the Bible and have its establishment based on the Scriptures. I'm going to say this to you men, young and old, married and unmarried. In no way are we are to abuse our God-given role as a husband leading our home to stifle our brides. And if you're not married, that's some good advice for you. Look at that. Our bride is a real person whom God knows and loves. We, we, we need to treat them like that. We need, to, we need to honor them and respect them. 
We need to treat them like a beautiful, delicate flower. Solomon, the preacher, the preacher talks about this. Let me tell you something. Here's something I'm going to tell you. You see, I know my bride, she loves these vegan chocolate chip cookies. But give me steak. But you know what? So I'm on my way home one day, and you know what? She didn't ask me for them. She didn't ask me for these cookies. I stopped at her favorite store. Depending on your zip code, it's either Whole Check or Whole Foods. <laughs> I went in there. I got her these cookies. I came home, and I got something extra. They had this vegan pizza. And let me tell you, she was like, Oh, my goodness. Listen, the windows of heaven opened up for me. <laughs> Beautiful. That's what kind of love we need to do for our wives, man. Yeah. Solomon, the preacher. I think we need to, at times, find joy in the present and get our heads out of the past. The rearview mirror are small for a purpose and a reason. The rearview mirror should not be our focus. Too many a times we look at what has happened in the past, men and women, we make the rearview mirror the windshield, and the windshield the rearview mirror. Solomon says, listen, people, listen up. Get your head out the sand and enjoy life. You're going to die, man. Stop focusing on the past. Move forward. Life can have a lot of meaningless stuff that goes on, and it'll be like this until Christ returns. We need to understand that it's important to God, and it should be important to us. You know what's important to God, important to us? You know what's important? The Solomon kind of stresses in there. You know what it is? You ready? Building community and quality relationships. I say this every week in New London. Oh, oh wait, got to reverse it. O-C-C, so y'all can spell it, over coffee or call. If you know someone's not here this morning, you know what you could do? You can go, you give them a call. You're not being nosy. You say, hey, brother or sister, what's going on? Let's go out and have a cup of coffee. You know what I mean? You know, let's go to a whole check. Get something. You know what I mean? Listen, whatever it is, whatever, whatever suits, you know, suits you, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever it is. Let me tell you something. Some of the strongest relationships are built when you are one-on-one -on -one outside of the four walls of this building. Don't let it establish your relationships relegated to the structure because we are the church. We need to build relationships with others, our brothers and sisters. If someone's down, we need to be there with them and help them up. I truly believe we need to explore the value and importance of community and build strong relationships for which the preacher, the preacher, Solomon, he alludes to that. We, he, we, we need to do that. We need to spend time together. Because one day, we're going to die. Because we're born to die. Why not make the most of our time while we're on earth? So how do we do this? We do this by making genuine connections and being willing to navigate the ups and downs of life that is being thrown at us every single day. 
we need to understand that we are not alone. You know, in the military, my brothers are in the military. You know what they always tell me when I was a little boy? Because I got, I got my brothers, I got some brothers that are older than a lot of you guys here. I'll be honest with you. They could be my father. Now that's old. And I'm 55 just about. When they would get a call, whether it's in law enforcement, some of them, or whether they're out in the battlefield, guess what? It's easy to get picked off when you're by yourself. It's very easy. It's very difficult to go to battle. You don't have to do this alone. That's what the brotherhood and the sisterhood is about. It has nothing to do with the color of your skin. It's who you are. We're like-minded individuals. Let's do this thing together because we know that we have a purpose. We have a purpose. We have a purpose, and that is to do the will of God. Amen? Amen. Following Jesus is not going to be a walk in the park. And if someone told you, if you're here today and you never made a decision to accept Jesus, to allow him to be your all in all, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest with you. It is not a walk in the park. I don't want to make, I don't want you to have a false decision, false convert. I'm going to tell you the facts. It's not going to be easy, but Jesus loves you. Jesus will walk with you. Your brothers and sisters of, of the faith, we will be there with, with you. We will pray with you and we'll pray for you. That's the good thing about the brotherhood and the sisterhood of the faith. God wants as many individuals as possible to make us to make disciples. And today is the ideal day. You came to the chapel. What better day? Not only did you come to the chapel to make a decision, if you never asked Christ to be in your life, but we're going to baptize you too. Look at that. It was planned on you being here today. One thing I want to tell you this here is that navigating the Christian life, it may not be easy, but the Holy Spirit indwells us. He will guide you into all truth. He is the comforter. And if you've navigated your way away from God, you say, you know what? Hey, you know, um, Pastor Martin, you know, I've been in this situation. I don't know what to do. And I've kind of like not been doing the things that I know I should be doing. The things that I ought to do, I'm not, I'm not doing. The things that I shouldn't do, I find myself doing. If you felt that you've navigated your way away from God, guess what? You can come to the altar too. We want to pray for and with you because God wants to do a work in your life. That's 100% right. He loves you. He loves you more than any of us would love you. And this final piece, if you want to know God, you know what? We don't want you to leave this place without you having that assurance and knowing that you are one of his. I love what, you know, Glenn always says, why would God let you into his heaven? Ask yourself that question. Why? Because you think that you're a good person? Nope. God's like, talk to the hands. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No. Being good isn't good enough. It's bigger than that. It's Jesus. So here's a wise saying. There's no guarantee that any of us will see tomorrow. There's no guarantee that we will wake up tomorrow and go do the mundane, the empty things that we do every single day the preacher Solomon talks about. Don't put off for tomorrow what you should do today. If you want someone to pray for and with you, that's what we're here for. You can 
come to the side. We're going to have a baptism this morning. You know what? Because we know the power of God's word. God said his word is more powerful than sharper than any two-edged sword. So if you want to make that decision, you can make your way right over here and we'll pray. I think, I think Joe, how we want to do this here, we got the last song, the worship band's going to come up. We're going to do baptism this morning. But if you want someone to pray for and with you, we're going to have some workers here to pray and for and with you. You know what? The devil will want you to not do that one thing, and that is to ask for prayer. Listen, the, the devil will tell you, man, don't, go, don't, don't ask for prayer. Try and do this on your own. See, the Holy Spirit will tell you, you know what? You need prayer. The devil will never tell you to do something like that. Never. He's going to tell you don't. This is your day. This is your day. So while the music is playing, if you want prayer, you can just meet us all right over here. Someone will pray for and with you. Amen? Amen. Oh, we have a baby dedication this morning as well, guys. So don't leave. Yes. We're going to do baby dedication now? Oh, oh we're going to do that. We're going to do baby dedication right now. I apologize. Yeah, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Aaron, you're around? You need this, brother? You good? You good? All right. Here we go. Joe and Shayla, baby Iris. Going to dedicate baby Iris to the Lord this morning. Come on up there, family. So, I don't want to block the baby. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Joe and Shayla, I'm going to read some scriptures, ask Joe and Shayla um, some, some questions, and then uh, I'm going to have, uh, ask you guys some questions in, in support of raising this child, because we're all in this together. I don't want to have my back turned to the, everybody, but I just have a couple verses here I want to read, and it's, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You're going to teach the word of the Lord to baby Iris here, diligently? Amen. And shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You're going to talk about the ways of the Lord to baby Iris. And Amen. Amen. And it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And you're going to train up baby Iris in the way she, she should go and the way of the Lord. Amen. Amen. So I want to pray for these two here. Then I'm going to have Tony. Would you like to pray as well? Sure. And um, anyone else have okay. something? Not yet. Not yet? Okay. <laughs> so, so I want to just pray a, a blessing on baby Iris here. You, might, you, want, to be you want me to hold the baby? I haven't held a baby in seven years. Holy smokes. Holy smokes. So, all right. Watch out for the beard here. So, Lord, I just thank you for this sweet baby Iris here, Lord. 
I just pray, Lord, for her parents, Joe and Shayla. I, th I thank you for their strength and for their, their compassion and their kind spirits, Lord. And I pray that this would be passed down to this baby here. I pray, Lord, that your will will be done in baby Iris's life, Lord Jesus. We just commend her to you this morning, Lord Jesus. I pray that when she hears your voice, she would say, here, here am I, Lord. Use me. And I just thank you for this baby. I thank you for the great work and the plan that you have for this baby's life. And, Lord, I just pray for this congregation as well, Lord, that they would get behind this family, Lord Jesus, and helping to raise this child. And I just pray your blessings upon this baby, Lord Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Tony, would you like to pray? Would you like to take the baby? No, no, Heavenly Father, we just uh, give you praise for being able to be here today and, uh, um, and worship you and uh, to, to be able to be, be here with, uh, with Iris, Lord. And we, uh, we give thanks, Lord, that uh, you, you brought our families together. You brought the Perrys and the Reels together. And uh, we thank you that uh, the Perrys have raised Jill in a way that uh, she loves the Lord so much. And uh, she's, uh, she's, she and Joe getting together have brought us this gift of God, Lord. And it's uh, so miraculous that we get to uh, experience such beauty. Father, we just pray you would help us to uh, guide and direct her, uh, help our family here at the church to, uh, to uh, be in her life, uh, to, to help support her and to, uh, and to give her guidance. And we just give you thanks, Lord Jesus, for, uh, for you, for you and uh, for the salvation you offer this precious child in the world that we live in. We give you thanks and praise through your holy name. Amen. 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 Tony, how, how old are you today? Uh oh, it's Tony's birthday, guys. So, you know, you're supposed to give like, what is it, 58 plus one? Kisses. Hey, uh, isn't it great to be here this morning? So let's just sing together. Does anybody want to be baptized this morning? It, they heated the water. We have water and it's actually heated. Hey, if you want to be baptized, we're happy to do that for you this morning, you know. And um, if, you, if you prayed and accepted the Lord this morning or recently, come tell one of us. We'd love to just pray with you, talk with you. And so let's just sing together. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than here in your love, here in your love. No place. 
place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. There's no place I would rather be. No, no. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be than hearing your love, hearing your love. Set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain.